The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. of British Columbia to you listening around the world. This is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. They let us play with all our toys. They let us think that we're big boys. They let us make a lot of noise but we're in the world. They let us think we're Superman. You can follow us on our website spacedoutradio.com on iTunes and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. On Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh, Dad, you gotta stop haunting the goat. It's scaring them. All right, seriously, put down the pointy sticks. Word is. Alright, alright, alright. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? I am. Toby. Bye-bye. Yes, you. Bye-bye. Get this. Please take your seat above us. We will be able to take care of the football. 
Welcome to Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's good to have you along for the ride on this Thursday, April 20th. Friday, April 21st, if you're on the East Coast, hope you had a great 420 today. We are live right here in Uncle Jimbo's cabin, right here in the Great White North, as we are live seven days a week. Let's welcome in everyone listening in on our terrestrial radio stations, WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are also live as well on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us. We love being live as we are also broadcasting on spacedoutradio.com, on Spreaker, on the United Public Radio Network, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, KTLK, the Fringe FM, our brand new affiliate, and on Revolution Radio. Remember, if you're listening in on the Double R Machine, it is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to Freedom Slip Stocks freedomslips.com and donate today if you like our theme music you can thank our resident guitar god mr ron bumblefoot thal formerly a guns and roses currently of art of anarchy bumblefoot is the official music of spaced out radio if you're a social media junkie like i am give us a follow on twitter at spaced out radio give our facebook page a like spaced out radio show you can tune us in on tune in download this show and others on itunes we're also on instagram dave scott sor we are also, oh, if you heard what I'm having in my headphones, I got some background noise going on in my headphones. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and on Stitcher, and of course our website is SpacedOutRadio.com. And if you head over to Patreon.com, I'll tell you right now what's going to happen. For a buck a month, you could become a patron of Spaced Out Radios. Now, if you want to take part in this show, you got to do me a favor. All right. What you got to do is you got to sign into one of the chat rooms because we don't take callers on this show. So go to our website, click on Listen Live, enter the Space Out Radio chat room. We're on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or if you're a valued member of the SOR Space Travelers Club, rock with that as well. Or if you're on Twitter, use the hashtag Space Out Radio. I will get to your questions and comments in there as well. So make sure you check that out. If you go to our website for just 5 bucks a month, you can become an SOR space traveler because we want to give you some swag. And, of course, on our website we have our encounter. Yes, the encounter online. It's our brand-new news section that we are putting together by our editors, Eric Markham and Everett Themer. It's good to have them rocking news out. My blog is on there as well. So make sure you check it out. Let us know how you think as well. April 20th has a lot of meaning for a lot of people. For those who enjoy a good toke, well, it's 420. So I hope you're enjoying this little bit of hippie lettuce today. But around these parts of this studio in Uncle Jimbo's cabin, April 20th has a much different meaning. You see, two years ago, tonight, well, actually in one hour from now, 
I was doing a show on Buddha of all topics, and during that first 20 minutes of the show, all of a sudden, an alien gray appeared outside my window. The alien, now known around these parts as Carl, has become synonymous with what we do. Damn it, Carl, you better stop by for the second anniversary, man. Here, do me a favor out there, listeners. If you're psychic or alien or an alien communicator, be sure to send Carl a message and tell him that we need him to come down here for this show. I will be monitoring outside my window tonight during the show, so he better show up. He missed last year's anniversary. So, Carl, don't screw us over two years in a row. Tonight, though, we're also going to get into fake news as Jamie Sexton from the brand new Rebel Planet News, based out of Las Vegas, is back. What's the public reading, seeing, hearing, and believing on television, in the newspaper, online, or on the radio? And could it be for a cause for concern? The mainstream seems tainted. That seems to be bleeding into the alternative, but the public is eating it up. For some shows out there, the ratings have never been higher than they are right now. But you, as the public, where can you go for the truth? Jamie is a brand new monthly guest on this show, making his second appearance, which happens to be the third Monday, or Thursday, pardon me, of every month. Rebel Planet News is what we call this one. We bring in Jamie Sexton all the way from Las Vegas. Jamie, my man, how you doing tonight? Doing pretty good, buddy. I'm pretty good. good. I'm Happy good. to be here on the on the anniversary for call. I hope he shows up for you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, your place or my place, you know, but I do have to say this before we even start. Your lovely girlfriend, Tiffany, are we seeing any unicorns these days or what's going on there? Because, I mean, the last time you were on, she was ripping me, (laughs) ripping me a new one that I didn't think unicorns were real. Yeah, she, uh, she, I think she's still holding out hope, uh, the unicorn. <laughs> so um, I don't think she was happy with uh, one, one of the uh, one of your guest comments uh, suggesting that unicorns might be a, a rhinoceros or, or a bull with one horn. I think she took offense to that. Yes, my friend, you're sounding just a tad yeah. muffled. I don't know if you're on a headset or not, but if we could, try I am. And... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, maybe try it if you better? can. If you could unplug the headset, that would be great. That would be great. I know, I, I, I know your, I, I know your arms probably going to get a little tired, but that's okay. All right, is that better? Yes, yes, it is. Okay, good. Okay, so Jamie, uh, do you have me? A, I'm sorry, I, I got to say this. Do you have me a speaker because we're getting some sort of feedback as well? Okay, no, I don't. Is that better? Yeah. There we go. Okay, good. good. All right, my friend. So let's All let's right. get this thing going because the last time we had you on, we kind of introduced you to our audience. And you're about trying to get some new, brand new news out there. Something that's straight down the middle, the way the media is supposed to be covered, calling a spade a spade with the Rebel Planet News. For people who haven't heard you before, we've got a bunch of new listeners once again, my friend. Why did you decide to set up Rebel Planet News? Well, uh, you know, I basically, um, it's just one of those things that sort of evolved from my own personal interest and uh, some of my professional interests. 
I've always written, and um, I guess for the past 25 years, I've been writing about, you know, geopolitics and moral politics, and, um, you know, which obviously leads into some of the darker arenas of what goes on in the world, or, you know, when I, when I first started doing what doing that, what was suggested was going on in the world, you know, in other words, the uh, people behind the curtain, and, uh, you know, you always want to know if that's true or not, and I got into it and discovered a lot more than I ever thought I would, um, and when you find out sort of the mechanics of how things work, um, how, how the public is sold information and, and uh, can be manipulated easily, um, uh, you know, you're trying to feel at a loss as to what to do about it. So uh, with, the, with the advent of the Internet and all the alternative news stations and sources that are out there, um, you know, as susceptible as those avenues can be to, um, to things like false news or misreporting things or getting facts wrong, which does happen quite a bit, I, I find that it's a refreshing uh, avenue for people because a lot of times um, you can get actually more accurate information from those sources than you will the mainstream. And uh, it really shouldn't be that way, but it is that way. And so, um, but then again, like I said, you get a lot of misinformation too. So I think that the more sources that we can create and rely on for alternative news sources um, that, that try to be responsible about, you know, um, betting their information and betting their guests and, and those sort of things, the better. Um, because I believe mainstream is kind of controlled by the corporate entities uh, and they're corrupted uh, on a lot of different levels. Um, it's not just it's not just them getting the facts wrong. It's them intentionally getting the facts wrong. They're trying to set agendas based on their corporate sponsors and, and, and in some cases, government sponsors, et cetera. So uh, I was inspired to, to join the ranks of alternative media to try and um, seek out and offer information that, that was unfiltered and uncensored, especially... Uh, you know, especially for the, for corporate gains. So. It is a tough field to be in, Jamie, because, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are making a lot of money on the media. And let's face it, if you go back 30, 40 years, even 20 years, the media wasn't about making money. They were about producing stories, staying down the middle, staying right along the sides of the public. They were the public watchdog, the eyes, the ears, the lawyers, the judges. That's what the media was supposed to be. And somewhere we got lost on that. We're going to get heavy into fake news and what people should be looking for in the media tonight. But first, first, my friend, today is 420. Now, I don't smoke pot. <laughs> I, I got a lot Neither of... do I. I got a lot of friends who do, but yeah, me as well. Yeah. You know what? This is the first time ever we will actually celebrate 420 on this show. And you know, marijuana. I think whether it's hemp, whether it's marijuana, whatever the plant part of the plant is, 
I think it's a very, very important cause. And I know we are in the process up here in Canada of legalizing it across the country. They're just setting up the laws now, and that started a week ago. Is it time, Jamie, in your opinion, to say, look, this isn't a drug, okay? This isn't something that is made by chemicals. This is a natural herb that has so many uses and so many components. Sure, like anything, it has its unhealthy parts. But I think when it comes to marijuana and or hemp, okay, the good definitely outweigh the bad. What's your opinion on that? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm, aside from not partaking in the uh, recreational use of it, I also never really got into uh, studying the pros and cons to be all that qualified about it. But I will say this, just as, as a, my generic opinion on, on that is, um, you're right, it's a natural product. And um, frankly, I... I I can't see how anyone could possibly justify alcohol being legal and, and uh, you know, for recreational use and not allowing uh, something like uh, marijuana to be legal. It's, just, it, it's always been just a really ridiculous sort of uh, double standard there for me. And, and not only using it for recreational use, but, I mean, it's a plant for something. I don't see why somebody can't just go in their backyard and plant it and grow it. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a natural product. So, yeah, I mean, I, like I say, I don't smoke it. Uh, I have a lot of friends that do. And uh, the biggest problem I've ever had with them was them cleaning out my refrigerator or uh, driving too slow. That's about it, you know. And, you know, the one thing is that I want to mention is I have friends who use it to battle their epilepsy, use it to battle their glaucoma, use it to battle their pain from cancer, anxiety, depression. I have a lot of friends who use it for a lot of different reasons, and it helps them. And we're learning very quickly as doctors start to open their mind that there are some health benefits I mean, we see the videos all the time. And granted, videos can be staged. I understand that. Okay? But we start seeing the benefits that people are having or that this is having for a lot of people. Okay? And when it comes to something that can take away pain from people, not on a stoned level, but people who live with pain every day or people who have trouble seeing out of their eyes, we have to look more into this. And the fact that they want to keep it prohibited, I think, is is antiquated. It's antiquated, and it's time that the rest of the mainstream world, especially in the U.S., okay, because the war on drugs, as everybody knows, has not worked. And I think that's, I been, that's well, been very public. Go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think, and I think you and I have talked about this uh, lightly for uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and we sort of touched on it. And uh, as I said earlier, I'm not really qualified to the extent that I've done a ton of homework on this, but for, for the, the little bit of writing and research that I have done on it, um, you know, I, 
you know, there's always the, the arguments back and forth about, well, nothing's been proven, and then other institutions say, yes, it is beneficial for this or that. And, um, so I, I can't really weigh in on the merits of, of uh, its, its medicinal uses and things like that. Although I will say this, that I think that the, uh, if you want to lump it all together, the marijuana community, in other words, anyone that would be an advocate for legalizing it one way or another, um, the process of, of going about trying to get it more available and more legal, um, I think, ironically, um, has become more difficult because of the advocates. Uh, not because they're in the wrong, but because they approached it from two different angles. Uh, you had the group that was pushing it uh, strictly for, um, for recreational use, which seemed like a really steep uphill climb, right? And then you had the, uh, the, uh, the medicinal community um, making medical claims and things like that. And it, it's kind of hard to, in my opinion, to, um, to, to climb those uphill battles and, 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 and uh, make something legal that's been deemed illegal for, for the longest time when you're hitting it from two different angles that one seems recreational and one seems medicinal. Um, that's unfortunate for, for people, for advocates, of course, but uh, I, I have seen where that, that dual argument really kind of plays against itself, and uh, I don't know any way around that, um, but that's unfortunate. Well, I can tell you this, my friend. I have a good buddy of mine whose daughter suffers from epileptic seizures. She's, she's a beautiful 9, 10-year-old girl. She was getting up to 20, 30 seizures a day, and she would always have to be monitored. And she was too young uh, to qualify for medicinal marijuana here in Canada. So he literally had to smuggle some in. He's going through a divorce, an ugly divorce, he gets his daughter this medicinal marijuana to help. She goes down to less than one seizure a day over the next couple of months. And his ex-wife, his ex-wife actually, in their divorce proceedings, proceeds to tell the judge that he has given his daughter medicinal marijuana even though he's legally not allowed to. And yeah, that's, I, and I that's how ugly it can be. Glaucoma. Yeah, oh yeah. It, it, it's like I said. It's unfortunate. I think it, the, to me, it's it's just it's a natural product, and you know we have so many natural products already. I don't know. You know, uh, of course, they say this. You know, because it in, inhibits your uh, behavior, um, and that. But but there are a lot of things that do that, and um, and there are a lot of prescription drugs over the counter that do that, that people abuse every day. So I don't know. It, it just, to me, it just speaks to the larger picture of, of uh, governments and bureaucracy getting a little bit too, too much into people's personal business. Like I say, I, I, I don't smoke pot. I never, I don't have any intention to, but I, for those people who do, man, more power to me. And if it helps you medicinally, I don't think anybody should be trying to prevent me from using it. Add to the fact what hemp... Oh. 
add to the fact of what hemp can do. Yes, it's a different plant, looks the same, but I mean, the power of hemp, you know, the way it can be created to help uh, eat up carbon monoxide and to help do a lot of good in, in cutting, in stopping cutting down, especially old growth forests. I mean, it's something that we have to look at. It definitely is something that we have to look at if we want to start looking at this planet as long-term and not some sideshow between North Korea and the rest of the world or something along those lines. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I'm all for it, man. I have more power to you, like I say. It's it's 420 today, so I'm sure that uh, a lot of people are out there celebrating that. (laughs) That just for uh, for the occasion. I think what? I saw a bunch of slow drivers today. Tiffany and I did. <laughs> well, I I feel a little ripped off here because here in British Columbia we are in marijuana country. We are in marijuana country, and I feel a little ripped off because I didn't smell one doobie burning at all. Not one doobie burning. Oh, that's important. Yeah. They let yeah. you down, right? Uh, <laughs> my country folk have let me down. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's still time, right? Still a few hours, I think. Right? Well, we got we got two and a half hours, and I can tell you right now, there there's no hippie lettuce at my house. So that's just well, the way it goes. You know what? Maybe 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 Carl will show up smoking a big fat dude. You know know. what? If Carl shows up, and I'm waiting for Carl. I tell you, he, he, he better, I, I know you laugh at this. I know you laugh at Carl, okay? But Carl, but, but Carl was, that was a serious time, man. That was a serious time. Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, ima- imagine how yeah. you, imagine how you would feel, my friend, because I know you're probably one of the most skeptical people that I know, and I mean that as a compliment, okay? Your BS meter you know, moves quickly on anything that that you don't that you don't feel is right, and I think that's cool, and that's yeah. why we do this show. That's why you got Rebel Planet News. But I'll tell you, man, I guarantee you, a guy tough as nails as yourself, who's been there, done that, seen it all, okay, you would crap your drawers if all of a sudden you had an alien gray at your window. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt about it, I would. I would, you know, and I'm sitting here, uh, by the way, I don't know if it's when I do the show, I'm sitting here with Spike. Uh, he's sitting here watching the monkey. And uh, I think Spike would get a kick out of uh, somebody like Carl visiting us, too. I would definitely crap with that, no question about it. But I would try to get a picture before he left. So you better have a camera ready tonight if he shows up. See, that's the problem. I don't know if Carl's showing up. I have extended the invite. You know? I don't even know what they eat. I don't know whether... the anniversary. I don't know if I should leave tequila at my window, or if I should, you know, maybe... I don't want to leave him some of the wife's cooking, because then he'll never come back. But, on the flip side... On the flip side... No, she's okay with that. She'll admit that. She'll admit that. I love her to death, but by, by God, she wasn't blessed for the kitchen. You know, well, I think tequila is. Uh, I, I know tequila is an international uh, peacemaker. I, I don't know if it's uh, an, an interstellar peacemaker, but I mean, what do you got to lose? Really? 
Well, I got a question here from Bob in the SOR Space Travelers Club. He's saying, Dave, did you crap your drawers when you saw Carl? I'm going to tell you right now, almost. Almost. Dude, I was literally, okay, I don't know where Spike your monkey is, okay? I don't, how far away is Spike from you? He, right now, he's eating, uh, believe it or not, and he doesn't normally do this, but uh, Tiffany gave him a piece of pizza, so he's chowing down on that, kind of listening to us like he's about five feet away. Okay, so add another <laughs> add another three three feet to that, okay, to where Carl is. I mean, to where Spike is. All right. that, that's how far away I was from Carl, man. And I will never... I will never in my life forget those black eyes staring at me through the window and seeing that bulbous gray head, man. And it was absolutely freaky. Absolutely freaky. And when I saw him, I damn near fell off my chair because in that two to three seconds that we were making eye contact, and I'll tell you right now, there was nothing romantic about it whatsoever. You're staring at that, and your eyes are, like, focusing in, trying to figure out, James, whether or not what you are seeing is real. And, uh, well, of course. Now, and, it wasn't 420. Yes. I, I, personally, I wasn't. I, uh, personally, okay, uh, personally, I wasn't. But I can tell you this. I, I, literally, yeah. I literally stared at Carl... For like two, three seconds, and I jumped back in my chair out of startling what I realized I was looking at, and I kind of shook my head, look again, and he is gone. Three seconds, man. That's all the time I got with him. Three seconds, if that. But that memory, man, it is so in it is so etched in my memory that it's absolutely you know, it's absolutely brutal. It is brutal because when you experience something like that, Jamie, the one thing I can tell you, my friend, is you want it to happen again because you got to know if it's real. It's like when you taste good food or have great sex with a person. It's something that you, you're like, damn, i got to have that, that steak and lobster again or I have to have whatever you're, the thing is that gets you going. I just have to have that. And that's kind of what it's like in a freakish sort of way. I, I'm hoping Carl shows up tonight. I'm really in. Well, I hope he does, too, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that'd be a, a, a historical event I'd like to be part of, so I'm hoping he does, too. And, and I know... And I know Tiffany's just running around there, well, what about the damn unicorns? What about them damn unicorns? <laughs> You're going to have to do a unicorn show just to put me. I am going to get a, a unicorn show on just for Tiffany, and normally I don't take callers, but I will let her call in. I will let Tiffany call in for that one, you know. But I can tell you, I can tell you this though, you know. I, I hope it happens again. I don't know if Carl's going to show up tonight. Uh, you know, I've kind of manifested out there to the universe, seeing if that stuff works. Okay, to see if we're able to to get that going and I've got my sensor light out there all on getting ready so if if anything walks by it'll trip it let's just hope it actually works let's just actually hope that it works damn it Carl Matt you said you said you don't know what Carl would eat but 
uh, I know that there's a whole community out there of, of uh, what, what what do we call them? Ufologists? Is that what? Are, yeah. What's what's the proper nomenclature? So you, maybe they'll have some suggestions that you could leave something out for. Uh, well, I got a bunch of people in the chat rooms manifesting this. We're going to try the whole manifestation thing and see if that works. Okay. So. Because maybe he didn't stick around because you didn't have a doobie or a snack. So maybe maybe give him a reason to hang out if he shows up at least. I know. I think I'm the only person in British Columbia right now that doesn't have a joint. Well, not the only person, but, you know, one of a few. <laughs> I'm definitely in the minority here. Hold on, let me let me ask Corey in the chat room because Corey lives down the road from me a couple of miles. Corey, I'm sure you're packing a doobie right now. Let me know if you had 420 and 420. That's all I need to know. Blow the smoke this way just so we can get it over with. Anyhow, my friend, that's good time. So now we're waiting for Carl. We're waiting for Corey's hippie lettuce cloud to come over my house if it can make it by a couple of miles. Nice. We got it set up. We oh, def- so he's gonna hook you up, huh? Yeah. No, she says been there, done that. She's already, uh, she's already uh, invested her stash, shall we say? Very greedy. Very greedy. Anyhow. My friend, we bring you on tonight on a, on a serious note. Rebel Planet News is your brand new company. You're going to be launching the website officially, rebelplanetnews.com, here in just a couple of months, and you're going to be taking the alternative media by storm. And I'm very glad that you know we've been able to partner up and bring you on this show so that way you can kind of bring our audience the straight goods on a monthly basis, the third Thursday of every month on Spaced Out Radio. When you're yes, searching, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. Oh, absolutely, and it, and this is a relationship that's going to continue because eventually you're going to bring a podcast on board. You're going to do your own podcast. They'll be able to find it on your website. They'll be able to find it on my website, and it's going to be really good as we as we kind of blend the two shows together. And one of the things that I'm excited about, Jamie, is the fact that your heart is in the right place. You want to bring honest truth back to journalism in your mind where did that turn where we all of a sudden started using the media the news as some sort of sensationalism well i i I honestly think the ingredients were there from the beginning i mean um you know from its inception uh broadcast radio and um and the press, and even before that, the, the printed press, um, has always been used by those who would do so uh, as a form of propaganda. Um, anytime you have a vehicle to reach the masses, uh, the people that control that vehicle, who are, who are behind the, the, the steering wheel, um, can always abuse that vehicle uh, to to spread whatever quote-unquote truth they want uh, imparted on the, on the public. So I, I think the ingredients were always there. I think it's just an inherently flawed part of humanity when you have, you know, 
something as powerful as media. Um, but the, the greater, I think, um, abuse of it started when, um, when we started trivializing everything. Um, I think it just kind of went hand in hand with the, the, the quote unquote moral fabric of, of, of our country. You know, the, the more things started to decay, um, you know, um, in the traditional way of, of American life, Western life, I think that people begin to lose trust in, um, the government and media and institutions like that. And it, it was just, the environment was right to abuse uh, that. And, and whenever you have corporate controllers, people who control the media, which all media is controlled by some form of, of uh, a corporate entity. I mean, <clears throat> if you think about it, when television started, for example, you know, you would have television shows with actors and cameramen and makeup artists and limo drivers and and uh, set designers and costume designers. And all of those people had to get paid. They all had to get paid. But they didn't get paid uh, by you going down to Sears and Roebuck in the day and buying a black and white television. They didn't get any money from that sale. That was the owner of the television uh, device. The way that all of that uh, business got paid was through advertising. So whatever product is being sold on television, whether it be a soft drink or, or a dishwashing soap or anything else, all that revenue uh, pays for all of those nooks and crannies from, from the big stars all the way down to the guy who sleeps before the studio through advertising. So they have a lot of power because they pay all the bills. Um, and uh, so, you know, there's just sort of a built-in uh, hazard for abuse when, when uh, you have that kind of a setup in a situation. So the free press, while I think that there are, and, and you're a journalist yourself, uh, I, I know a lot of honest, uh, well-intentioned journalists. Um, but you know, that doesn't mean that the vehicle, the game, the studios, and the greater picture, and the, and the people who are really the movers and shakers up at the top of the pyramid there have good intentions. And because they're in control of censoring and filtering and deciding what goes on and what doesn't, ultimately, at the end of the day, if they have an agenda to push, um, they will do so, and they will use the media, be it print, television, movies, music, anything else that they think they can reach their audience with, they will use it. Do you remember when you realized that there was something a little bit strange about the media? That it just wasn't reporting the big stories anymore? I can remember where it turned for me, and this was actually before I went to broadcasting school, and it was watching the white Bronco chase of O.J. Simpson and Al Cowling way back in 1994. That really did it yeah. for me. And, and and then watching the entire 
O.J. Simpson trial, like everybody else, I was glued to see what was going on, try to catch as much as I possibly could of this real-life soap opera. And for me personally, Jamie, that's where I saw the media turn. How about you? Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think that that, uh, that incident is, uh, is a great example of um, what resonates with the public. And that's unfortunate. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to get into tonight is how we actually watch the news and how they watch us. In other words, we watch the news from an emotion, just like we do everything else in life, pretty much from an intellectual slash emotional standpoint. Um, so basically, we are interested in things that affect us. If they don't affect us, we find them boring, you know, and we'll turn the channel. If you're watching something that doesn't interest you, you're not going to watch it very long. But, you know, uh, studios, uh, people who make movies and people who make television and things like that, um, they, you know, they do study groups daily. They, they, uh, they follow their ratings. How many viewers do they have? They break everything down to demographics. It's how they set their budgets. It's how they set their scheduling. It's how they do everything. And unfortunately, including how they deliver the news. Um, and, a lot of people don't really look at it this way, but when you watch news programs, and you know me, I don't like to really name names, so I, I, I try not to do that, but uh, all the major networks, all the major news networks that are out there, um, they, they have their format set to what keeps someone uh, glued to the television. They, they, there's an entertainment factor in there. And um, people are entertained by it. Um, you know, it, it's done in such a way that you you do get intellectually or emotionally invested in it. Um, but the way they're they're telling the story um, and how much they tell you and how much they hold back and all of that is is really down to a science. They know what works, and so even if there wasn't. Um, more sinister agendas attached to um, to the news stories that we get. You know, it would be unfortunate enough that most of it's just reduced down to trivial, like you said with the OJ thing. It's it's trivial sort of entertainment, and uh, you know that's not really why I think we should watch the news. Um, we don't. We shouldn't really. You know how they say when you when you drive by a car wreck, you don't really want to look, but you have to kind of thing. And um, they know how uh, people who are in that business are in that business to, um, to 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 be the best they can and to further that business. And it's an institution, so they know what works for their audience and what doesn't. And it's down to a science. So if they're gonna, if, if, if they their their whole intention the programmers and, and, um, and the directors and the producers of those shows, albeit new, quote-unquote, news shows, their job is to keep you from changing the channel. Long, you, you need to stay on long enough to, till the commercials run, right? And to keep you coming back. So they invest 
you know, they want to get you emotionally and intellectually uh, invested in personalities. You know, TV personalities, news personalities, um, and you don't want to, you, you, if, once you get wrapped up in something, they, you know, they don't want to lose their audience. Now, again, that's just reducing it down to the one uh, denominator, which is the entertainment value. Um, but, you know, I believe there are, there are much more sinister things at play, unfortunately. In other words, when, when the news and the media are used for propaganda tools, then that's a whole other level of, of, um, of manipulation. And that, that makes it even worse. Um, but like I said, even, it, you know, even if it's just um, the trivial aspect of it, it's unfortunate that our news has to be uh, packaged in that way. What do you mean by the media using propaganda tools? Well, you know, it's, it, as long as there's been man, mankind, there's been war. And in any war, you can go back in, in history and, and uh, see example after example after example of how uh, newspapers and messengers, even way, way back before any sort of electronic meaning existed, uh, of uh, one, one side manipulating the other side with misinformation or, um, or even uh, giving misinformation to their own people. Um, you know, and so it, when, anytime that you manipulate someone with disinformation uh, to another end, uh, that's, that's unfortunate, and it's used all the time. You know, I, I believe that the United States, for example, and most of our Western allies have been drawn into conflicts around the world based on not-so-accurate information. Um, and a lot of times, they'll do it to such a degree that everyone gets, you know, visually affected. We get, we, we get very emotionally invested in, in something that we believe is happening in the world, and we react to it. And we'll support, we'll support things. Um, maybe it's a military activity, or maybe it's you know a new law that that gives up one of our rights or something like that. And we'll be all about it. We'll just we'll all wave the flag and jump on board because we want to believe that you know um, we want to believe that we're doing the right thing and supporting our country, supporting our military, supporting our president, and you know, these things have happened uh, throughout history. And then you find out, you know, days later, weeks later, years later, maybe decades later, you find out, wait a minute, that wasn't the real story. That wasn't what really happened. Um, you know, example after example of that throughout history of the media and, and all, in all forms being used as a propaganda tool. And uh, I remember, um, I believe it was uh, the first desert storm where, and this is well documented. Um, this is not some conspiracy theory. This is this is fact. You can look it up. It's been documented time and time again that CNN, for example, um, they had two reporters that were supposedly reporting under attack, live on camera, in a war zone. 
and it turns out they were in a studio with a blue screen, and uh, they were doing take after take of their report. Finally, it aired, and the public saw the the finished product. But later on, the the edit and and the blue background and all of that came out, and that's just really unfortunate to to manipulate the public like that. Um, in those kind of ways, I, I just think that that's 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 not what we need from news sources. We only got about two and a half, three minutes before we got to go to break here, Jamie. But in your time in your research, have you ever talked to a reporter who has told you that their news sources are manipulated? Yes, I have. Uh, I talked to someone who, and I, I won't mention her name, but this was a few years ago and she worked for a major network. And, um, I, I, I happen to know her, but at the same time, uh, she was public with her story. So anybody can actually look this up if you want, you can find it. She quit uh, a major network and then went on air and, and explain why she was putting the network. And it was for that very reason. But I, I knew it was happening. I knew she was going to do it before. But, uh, yeah, and other people have have, have explained to me uh, how they get a lot of their directives or how their stories will be edited. And um, huge parts of their stories will be omitted or, um, you know, just a, a lot of different ways to manipulate and dictate what information they're allowed to share um, or even pursue, you know, they like, Oh no, don't, don't, don't follow that story. We want you to follow this one um, because they want it, it, it. It's almost as if they're creating a narrative at times. And, and when they do that, um, you know, those are when you got That's Those are the times in my opinion, when you really got to look out for the news media, when you see um, an agenda app, Play. And um, we can get into that after the break, but I've seen a, a quite a bit, quite a bit of that in the media, where uh, a clear agenda is trying to be forwarded through the media. I still can't believe, my friend, and we got about 60, 70 seconds left. I still can't believe that when I watch American news coverage, that we have news agencies basically leaning to the left or to the right when the job of the media is to be neutral and center. Like, to me, that just doesn't make sense. I just don't get that. Yeah, that's unfortunate, too. I think that uh, just like our political system, our media system uh, has followed suit. I'm not even really sure which came first, the chicken or the egg. But, yeah, they, um, you know, the Western world has really um, uh, become that that dichotomy, one versus the other. Uh, red versus blue, and it, it's uh, it's in our politics, it's in our media, it's it's uh, it, it, it it's in just about every fabric of our social lives, and it's, you know it's a patented formula, and they benefit from it, the controllers. So, and we'll get more into that right after the break. Jamie Sexton is our guest. His monthly feature called the Rebel Planet News comes here on Spaced Out Radio, the third thursday of every single month 
Jamie's going to go the distance tonight, so get your questions ready. Put them in capital letters. If you're one of the chat rooms, I will get to them. You're listening to Space Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. We'll be back right after this. From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them. Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today. The third Monday of every month, Spaced Out Radio is going to bring you a different look at everything paranormal. Welcome to The Reporters. Jim Mallard, Vanessa Hogel, Denise Garcia, and Christina George join me, Dave Scott, for a look at the weird and strange from the other side of the microphone. We'll break down ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and the people investigating them. The paranormal media has never been heard like this. Come listen to The Reporters. It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter. At spaceoutradio.com, The Encounter Online is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to spaceoutradio.com and encounter The Encounter. Hey, this is Canadian Paranormal Investigator Mike Moore. The third Wednesday of every month, I'll be teaming up with Dave Scott to bring you Ghosts of the Great White North. Each month, we will bring on guests from across Canada to discuss their ghostly encounters. Canada is a paranormal hotbed with stories you've never heard, so we're going to bring them to you. So get comfy on your Chesterfield, grab a donut, and join us, eh? Have you had an experience you can't explain? Had a run-in with ghosts, maybe Bigfoot, or seen lights in the sky? Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt from the SOR Sightlines. I'm here to investigate your sighting. Head to spacedoutradio.com and fill out a report on the sightlines. All your information is 100% confidential, and I will help you figure out what you've been seeing. File your report, and let's find out the answers together. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle. Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us. From radio commercials to banners and social media, 
Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner, Alexandra Sullivan, track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole, and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird? Right here at spacedoutradio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock. Loud and proud. In high definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night, as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness, you can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. Starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up, enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. Views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Now, back to Dave Scott and S.O.R. Welcome back to the second hour of Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us. Tomorrow night on the show, we head to Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to be talking the Phoenix Lights with David Spinks. It's going to be absolutely awesome. His personalized story of where he was when the Phoenix Lights appeared on March 13, 1997. It's going to be great. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. Getting some breaking news here right now. We we have hit 1,000 followers. 1,000 followers on Spreaker. It's taken one year to hit 1,000 followers. I'm, I'm pretty impressed, Space Travelers. Thank you so much. Find out who it is for me. I want to know who number 1,000 is. So if you're in there... 
please pop into the Spreaker chat room and let me know who you are. I want to mention you on air. I would appreciate that. And my Oilers have just tied things up 3-3 with San Jose. I'm pretty excited by that right now. Thank you so much for filling me in. Hey, we want to welcome in everyone listening in on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia. We're also live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us. We're also live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. We're live in California, Arkansas, on KTLK, the Fringe FM. As well, we are live on Revolution Radio. The Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Ulotricious. Ulotricious is your password. Don't know what it means. I don't think anybody really does. But Ulotricious is your password for tonight as Bill sets the password each and every night right here on the Mighty SOR. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio like Canadian Joe, Eric, John, Mr. Skeptic himself. They're all in there tonight, chatting away. We appreciate that. You can give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on TalkStream Live, RadioGuide.fm, and Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including reading up on the Encounter Online, our newspaper that we have going you could sign up to become an SOR space traveler for five bucks a month or head over to patreon.com and for a buck, just a buck, you could become a patron of Spaced Out Radios. Check it out today. The Rebel Planet News is the news section that is coming online by Jamie Sexton out of Las Vegas. It's his brand new invention that's going to bring straight truth back to the media jamie is a monthly guest on this show appearing the third thursday of every month jamie welcome back right how are you doing buddy good good to have you with us right right before the break we were talking about how you had a reporter friend actually come out saying the news is fake that's why she quit the business when you heard that, did you ha- did you have any prior inclination that it was going that way, or was that where you finally decided that man, there's something bigger to this than what we know? No, I I, I had uh, you know an interest in the corrupt media long before her story came along. Um, you know, I. I like I said earlier, I've, I've known for the longest time that the media was an instrument of um, corporate entities, government entities. I mean, the, the media gets its licensing from the FTC, which is a government agency. So, um, you know, that in itself tells you that they're under uh, regulation from, um, from the government. So, you know, uh, and they're paid for by government and corporate institutions. So, you know, I, it doesn't surprise me at all when these stories come out at all. Uh, in fact, to me, I, I watch the news probably completely different than most people do. Um, 
because I followed their corruption for so long. It's almost like I can identify when when a story is being used to further a particular agenda. I'm most, you know, and, and you know, I'm not always correct on it, or, or I'm not always I'm not always able to substantiate that. But for the most part, when, when there's a really heavy agenda at play, um, not only do I question the way the story is being reported, but a, a lot of times I'm questioning whether whether I'm what I'm watching is actually real or, or a fabricated story to further an agenda, because the media can be used in that in that way too. What about the FCC regulations? Do you think they have something to do with this? Well, you know, I I don't know if the FCC as an as an institution necessarily uh, dictates uh, content, and I certainly don't think they do day to day. But I, you know, somewhere in in the in in the halls of management. Uh, in, in the bigger media institutions, I think that things are manipulated and, and the, the FCC being a government agency may in fact, um, you know, have some hand in what content uh, is, is being um, shown to the public or, or offered to the public, especially in, in certain times. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the laws have changed over the years as far as, like, licensing. Uh, I believe it was 1995 or, or 98 when, um, when uh, the laws changed a little bit about who could open up, uh, who could hold different um, agencies. And media consolidation became um, a thing in the industry where, where certain uh, corporations were buying up multiple um, broadcasting studios and agencies. And, and now you basically got a handful of corporate owners, uh, uh, literally down to four or five, maybe six major corporations that own pretty much all of the major media, especially news outlets. Uh, that the public sees, um, you know, and that to me, when you have all the eggs in, in, in a few baskets like that, and then those, all of those baskets are sort of affiliated with each other, it, it, it leaves a, uh, a lot of room for controlled information. And, and, and it, it sort of, uh, uh, leaves the stage closed for, for fair reporting and um, honest reporting. Do you have any examples that you can give where you feel that the media has let the public down? Um, well, I, I feel they do it daily, to be honest with you. Um, I think I think when you're talking about, and my, a lot of people, they don't get their news from uh, local news agencies. A lot of people, because national news agencies have become so, such a um, uh, a big thing, and I think that's partly due because because they they work so hard on their entertainment format. You know, in other words, like I said earlier, 
a lot of people tend to get invested in those national news figures, those personalities. So they'll, they'll tune into the bigger networks than they do the little ones. Um, but I think you do it every day. I think that any time that you waste time talking about trivial things, uh, like what the Kardashians are doing or, you know, uh, any, any uh, soap star or TV star or something, when you waste time talking about trivial matters like that, unless you're watching an entertainment like you're watching a show for entertainment value as opposed to watching it to try to get news. I think they let you down every day in that aspect. And not only that, but I also think that they trivialize the subjects that, that, that we should take serious. Um, in other words, even if they're reporting on something that is not supposed to be a trivial matter, um, let's say it's a, a, a a, a political candidate or um, uh, a, a, a bill that's being introduced or, or some, some, something, some, some business of the government or business of the people that we would be interested in. Uh, <clears throat> they'll sit around with a table full of talking heads and shred that story up um, to the point where it's no longer even about the substance of what the people should be interested in. It's not about the meat of the bill or the substance of the bill. They all get into political bickering. And I think that um, it, it seems to happen organically, like when you have a round table or a panel of guests on a news show, you'll have you know, two to four to six guests and a host of the show, and everybody's talking over each other, and they're all taking political jabs at each other, and, you know, what that essentially does is it's feeding your bias. And everybody has a bias. We talked earlier about the, um, the red versus the white. You know, everything's cut down the middle. Um, and that happens in the media, too. And, you know, those shows become entertainment shows. based on, it's, it's almost like watching a wrestling match. You're watching the red versus the left and who can shout over the other one the most. And um, it, it really subtracts from what you should really be focused on on an issue as opposed to, you know, everybody's, everybody's rooting for their team, you know, is what it, what it kind of becomes. And, and that process becomes trivialized. You know, somebody, some speaker will come on and say, oh, I can't stand that guy or oh, this is my guy, you know, it's like they're investing in characters rather than the substance of what, what's going on with the, uh, the business of, of government or the business of news. And that, that's unfortunate to, to trivialize things to that degree where you feel like you're watching a soap opera nightly rather than news. Well, and, and that's where we go back about 10 years ago when I was still in terrestrial radio where this new term came around the media, and it was called infotainment. And exactly. at, that, at that point, that's where even we in our newsroom saw the fact that all of a sudden we were reporting on, you know, what Britney Spears was doing or or what was happening with OJ or what was happening with with any type of Hollywood celeb, you know, who was divorcing who. 
And it was, it was weird because the more we put that crap on, the higher the ratings went. And that's what caught the attention of the accountants who were running the, the business, which, of course, affects sponsorship. So, like, in my 10 years in a newsroom, never once did I have our stories edited. Never once did I have any of my stories edited that, that I just could not, for the life of me, have a story pulled because of what was on the what was I was about to say that had nothing to do with it but that's up here right okay and i understand that 49th parallel border there's a lot of strange that happens on the other side sometimes but that word infotainment right. that word infotainment crosses over very easily so when that word started becoming part of the media dictionary and the accountants who are now running these places, rather than true journalists, rather than radio DJs, rather than former television news hosts or anchors, we seem to have gotten away from the importance of having that 6 p.m. newscast in the evening or having that 8 a.m. morning drive news update because apparently the public was sick of the news. Because the numbers went up, Jamie, when they started going more infotainment. So how do you describe that? Well, it goes back, I, I think it, it plays right into what I'm, what I'm saying, is that, that that is their bread and butter. So um, aside from any dictating necessarily of, of what a reporter may or may not want to air on any given day, on a regular day, or even using uh, the media as a propaganda tool or to further any type of agenda, like I said earlier, just just the fact that everything is trivialized and, as you said, uh, in, info uh, infotainment based, um, that's that's short selling the public, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I, I I think that if done correctly, you could have both. In other words, you could they they could. There's room to be entertaining and also informative, like genuinely informative. Uh, but I don't think they're interested in that. Um, I, I don't think that um, I, I, a lot of times I feel like stories are, are short-sighted deliberately. They'll focus on talking points and things that they know are going to uh, – affect the public and keep them interested in the soap opera rather than the meat of the story. Because let's face it, I mean, government business and legislation and, you know, real politics and things like that can be quite boring. And most people would tune out to that stuff. Most people are not sitting around daily watching C-SPAN and, and things like that. So, <clears throat> you know, when you watch those, those bigger news programs like that, they kind of have to do what they do at least to some degree to keep their audiences. I just think that they do, I think they short sell the information or dictate the information a little more deliberately. I don't, I don't think it's, uh, I, I don't think it's, 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 it's uh, the entertainment part of it uh, is, is in itself is what's subtracting from the, 
the real stories that we should get and the truth of the matter. I think that they distract us a lot of times with the entertainment stuff. Uh, and that's the unfortunate part. Uh, I think that, and you and I talked about this on the last show, I think there's uh, a lot of times when people report stories, they'll get details wrong or facts wrong. And that's unfortunate. But that's part of the business. That's going to happen from time to time. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times people will be responsible about that and come back and, and do a retraction or an adjustment on the story to let the public know that they made a mistake. But I think the bigger tragedy is, is that when they deliberately lie to the public or mislead the public or use the media as a propaganda tool to further an agenda, and all the while while they're doing it, they're, they're throwing this entertainment value. It's, it's almost like a magician trick. You know, look at this hand, watch this hand while this one over here is doing something they shouldn't. And I, I think that the public needs to be more aware of that. Um, one of the ways that I sort of trained myself to watch the news is, is kind of divorce myself from all bias. Uh, what the, you, you can't do as a person, you have to, you know, you have, there's something you have to constantly work on because we all have bias and we, we form them and strengthen them every day. But you kind of got to set that aside when you really want to look at something discriminatory. If you really want to look at something objectively and, and, uh, and you really want to learn about what's going on, you kind of got to divorce yourself from, from your bias, political bias, religious bias, the ethnic bias, you kind of got just if you if you walk into a situation because all of those things can just dictate how you feel about something emotionally. So, if you're watching information that you're trying to gain something from, and you're watching it from a position of bias, um, you're going to take all that into you, and 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 all that information that's coming at you, you're going to filter that through your bias, and so the story may. Is, is automatically going to lean one way or another in your own psyche um, based on, on, on all that bias. So you really got to check that at the door when you're, when you're trying to learn something. Otherwise, you're not going to be open-minded about anything. You're just going to lock into that demographic that, they, that they've created for you. you know? You're going to fit into one of these, you know, few categories of people that they know that you fit into and they're going to, they're going to appeal to your emotions and they're going to appeal to your particular brand of intellect and taste. And you're going to feel like you have a dog in the race. You know, they've done a really, really good job. Uh, the system has meaning government and media and other uh, institutions like that. They've done a really good job over time of, kind of dividing everybody into two general boxes. Not very many boxes, you know, left and right. And I believe that most people, you know, when they really speak, when you talk to someone about things and you really, they break down their bias and they really speak openly. Most people don't lean as hard left or as hard right as as they can be 
manipulated to do on the occasion. In other words, when it's election time or, you know, there's some debate about something. Um, but in those moments, when, 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 when the time is right, um, you know, the, the media will manipulate people and force an entire demographic to lean over to one side and other demographic to lean over to the other side. It's almost a science to get it narrowed down to one of two categories. You know, it's ridiculous in a country that, that we claim to be open and free that, you know, we only have two parties to elect from year after year after year after year. I just don't, I just don't believe that we're that black and white. But, you know, we get squeezed into one of those two categories every time. Do you feel it's a fault of all media, Jamie, or do you feel it's a fault of mainly national broadcasts or national newspapers? Because the local news tends to focus more on what's happening in their city, in their community, in their province or state, rather than what is happening on a national level. It seems to me, as I look as an outsider down below, that it seems to be more on a national level that we see a lot of these media atrocities, if we could call them that, happening. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Although, you got to think about it like this. If you have, uh, let's, you know, I, again, I hate to name names, but let's just say Fox News. Okay, Fox has a, a national uh, news network. That's their mothership there for the news, for national news. And then they have a whole bunch of uh, local affiliates, smaller affiliates. And you're right, those smaller affiliates, like I saw in my Fox News here uh, in Vegas today, they were chasing, the police were chasing down some animal that was running around a grocery store parking lot because they didn't know what it was. It was some, some animal that's not indigenous to our region. So all day that story's been dominating the local news. So you're right. <laughs> they're, they're not really selling us the big ticket items. However, because they are an affiliate of the, of the, the bigger uh, network, if, if they do comment on something that's happened nationally, um, the, comments, the commentary they're going to make on that is not independent. In other words, a local reporter wasn't involved in the creation of that story or following down that story. So they're basically going to read down the notes from the, the, the uh, parent company. That's, that's the way it works. So, yeah, I would agree with you that you're probably going to get um, uh, more accurate news from the local news station, although it's not going to be really national. It's, it's not going to be substantial national news. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, if you want to learn what's going on in, in the world, and what's going on in your country with the business of the people, um, you're probably going to get that news from a few sources, which is the corporate sources, the big the big sources. If you want to find out what this animal is, they've been tracking down all day in the grocery store parking lot, you're probably going to get the real story, but you're going to get that from your local guy. So, you know, it, it, it's all, a, <clears throat> like I said, it's all a formula. It's a, it's a business. 
So, yeah, it's like a corporation, though, if you think about it. Like, how many times have you heard of a corporation, uh, whether it be in your country, Canada, or even in the U.S., or anywhere in the world, for that matter, where uh, a, a big corporation decides that it's going to lay off 90% of its employees, or it's going to go completely out of business, but yet, and it's got thousands of employees. Yet these people don't, they're not, most of the employees aren't even aware that their business is going out of business until sometimes the day that they close the door. And maybe some of the upper management knows, but it's all hush-hush. You know what I mean? You know, it's not until days, uh, sometimes hours, days, or weeks, if they're lucky, that they find out that, that they're out of a job and out of a pension and everything else. Thousands of people. That, that, that happens quite a bit. So if you think about media uh, networks in that context, you can think about, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, the everyday average journalist or reporter may be doing his job very honestly. He may be going out and getting the story and writing it up. And, you know, as long as he's not crossing swords with the the national agenda or the bigger network, um, then, you know, he's probably not going to ruffle any feathers at the network. But if it's a national story, that story most likely is going to be controlled from higher up in the chain. So. What about clickbait? We see a lot of clickbait that leads to a lot of fake news out there. When did this become so relevant and have you looked into it? I'm not even familiar with the term. What is it? Well, clickbait is when you see that headline, oh my God, they didn't know this was going to happen, and you click on the story because you think you recognize it, and it pops up to a bunch of different ads, and it pops up to some fake news story that, you know... Oh, yes. I, I know exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah, that, uh, you know what? I was commenting on that the other day. I see more and more web-based stuff like that now that really drives me insane. I won't go back to sites like that. I absolutely will not go back. We're setting up Rebel Planet News now, as you know, and I'm dealing with, you know, different webmasters and different things going into the suit to create this thing. And, you know, obviously, we've got to have sponsors as well. We've got to run advertisements on our site to help pay for things. But, um... You know, there's, as you know, and you and I talked about this, there's different packages and companies that offer those services and ways to do it and ways to technically set up your site. So, you know, you can have things as soon as somebody types in their domain name, an ad pops up in your face. And, you know, it's just, it gets really cluttery and really messy. And it's really, to me, that it really insults me when I go to a website thinking that I'm going to be able to read it, even if I'm trying to read something stupid or trivial, it really bugs me if I click on it and it's like, I don't know, now I'm, now I'm lost in some rabbit hole on their website. I don't even know how I got there. And I can't get out unless I watch some advertisement or something. It's just ridiculous. It's getting ridiculous. So I, I wasn't a term, I wasn't a, I wasn't familiar with the term clickbait, but yeah, that's that's really annoying and dishonest. Let's get to a question from Ron from the Prairies in Saskatchewan. 
And trust me, man, you can see your dog running away for hundreds of miles around there. It's so flat. Ron is asking questions or make that are the fake media journalists paid large amounts of money is that what keeps them there uh well if you're talking it's funny you say the term fake media because um that's a fairly new term uh, you know out on the out on the scene um I, I I tend to think, quite honestly, that the the major networks are more fake than the alternative ones. Um, that's that's just where I come down on it. Um, but yeah, I think that they are paid large sums of money. But I don't uh, I don't necessarily think that always the guy. If you know how these networks work, and I know you do, Dave, because you used to work in them, but. Um, if you've been to a television studio or a news studio and you've watched the daily business of how they how they schedule their day and their production and the way things work, it's usually not the guy that's sitting in front of the camera or sitting in front of the microphone that did all the legwork for that story. Um, you know, on the local level, that's true. On the local level, yes, you'll have flutes, you'll have your old school journalists going out and tracking down stories and riding out in the van with their camera guy and getting the local story. But on the national level, the bigger stories, it, it doesn't work that way. You're not going to see Bill O'Reilly on the floor of the Senate gathering the story. He's got people bringing him the information daily. Um, and, and, and that goes across the board for all those national level people. They're, they're in the production business. So, um, those stories come fast and they come hard and they, they're decided on uh, in a formula-based manner. So when they sit there and, and uh, construct what's going to be offered on the show, um, it, it's done according to a formula. And of course they're paid big money, but uh, I don't think the decisions as to what's going to be told that night, uh, what, what's going to be talked about, what the narrative is, and all of the boundaries of that narrative are necessarily the decision of the journalist. In other words, the person, had, the, the talking head, the person in front of the camera. I think that uh, part of the corruption of that is that it's not their job. In other words, they'll sit there and, and, um, and, and recite, you know, they know the narrative, they're aware of it, even if it's a false narrative, even if, it, even if it's an agenda-based thing. Um, they're aware of it um, because most of them are intellectual people, so they know what they're doing. They're, they know what they're part of, but they're not really creating that. I think it's uh, it's a higher level. And yeah, they, of course they get paid a lot of money. Any TV personality is, is paid a pretty good amount of money, but um, it's the studio, it's the producers and the people higher up who dictate. Um, if you're if you're if, if you're suggesting payoffs and things like that, and um, they would probably happen at a little bit of a higher level. In other words, the people who are, who are producing the show, who are deciding what the talking head is going to talk about and what, what scope to keep it in. And let's talk about this and not that. And let's don't mention this, but be sure to get this and that sort of thing. Yeah. 
a lot of journalists, when they go to college and the, or university to get their degrees in journalism, doesn't matter which branch, I don't see university professors training them, Jamie, to get into this field and say, you're going to have to pick whether or not you're on the left or the right. I know journalism professors in the United States. I've had a couple of them on this show who said that in their million in a million years they would never teach their students to be what journalism is today in the United States. So where are they being taught this type of fake news? Well, I you know I don't again there's so many people that you know, involved in the process of delivering the news to you. So um, I think it's a lot, like I said earlier, it comes down to that kind of corporate structure. When something becomes a bureaucracy, um, you know, a lot of times the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So you might have, you know, a whole team of, of honest journalists, but, you know, they, they want to keep their jobs. And they, they so, you know, they're going to, they're going to follow the stories they're told to follow, and they're going to, you know, you, you know, being in the business, that uh, there's a lot of editing that goes on. Just because you go out and write a story, especially on that national level. Now, on a local level, you might have a whole lot more freedom with what you, what you, uh, the story that you go out and write down. But on the national level, <clears throat> if you go out and get a story and bring it into the desk, um, that thing is going to be packed up and sliced up and chopped up a million different ways and considered before it airs. And it's going to go in very fast order. And it's not sort of out of your hands because on a national level, national news agencies, like I said earlier, it's generally not the person who you see in front of the camera who's, who was out that day gathering the story. Um, Generally, you've got people going out, um, you know, who are honest journalists. But, you know, it, it's generally not one uh, reporter. Even Like if you have, let's say, uh, one of these national news agencies wants to follow up on a story having to do with something that's going on uh, in clinic. They're not going to send out one of their correspondents. We're going to send out 10 of them because they can afford to do that. So they're going to send out 10 different affiliates. And all those people are going to bring their input back to the suit. And they're going to, they're going to formulate that story how they decide it should be delivered, whether it be honest or dishonest, whatever. You know, that's, that's just the way the corporate structure of news works. It's just a huge institution. They got things down to a science. They got it down to a formula. And they deliver it a certain way. And they can slam it or spin it any way they choose to do. It's their station. You know? So, um, I, but I agree with you. I think a lot of journalists go to school because they have interest uh, in, in, you know, delivering a story the right way, the honest way. You know, um, I don't think anybody sets out to be dishonest when they start doing that job. Um, and a lot of times, I think a lot of people find themselves 
in a situation and maybe even have suspicion that that their stuff is not being delivered the way it was, that the information is not being reported the way that it was gathered. Um, but what are they going to do? You know, they, they want to keep their job. And some people will fall under that pressure and just sort of become part of the process and just, you know, not be a squeaky wheel. You know. Do you think that every journalist is corrupt? Take a guy in your area. Take a guy in your area who I respect highly in George, in uh, George Knapp. But okay. there's a guy. Um, no, I ask, go ahead. No, I don't believe at all that, that all journalists are uh, Wouldn't mean to suggest that at all. Um, it's not even the journalists themselves that I think are the problem. I think it's the uh, most of it, as your as your uh, as your listener uh, asked earlier, is on the is on the national level as opposed to the local level. Um, so, um, you know, I think a lot of that um, becomes uh, corporate. In other words, you don't have one guy going out and getting the story all day. You know. Yeah. Wasn't this guy going to get up at 3 or 4 in the morning, go track down the story, bring it back? You know, it, it's edited. And what's he going to do? Do a quick lunch and a nap and then stay up until 9 o'clock at night to deliver you the story? No, it doesn't work that way. You've got a whole lot of people involved when it comes to national news. Uh, a lot of things go into the pot to bring you a show uh, story. Um, so I, I don't fault journalists who are true journalists. Uh, I believe there's a lot of people out there who really want to go out and give a story. But even saying that, even saying that, um, if you take a journalist who's gone to school, as you suggested earlier, and they're taught journalistic skills, just basic law journalistic skills, and their heart and their mind is in the right place, once they join an affiliation, because, you know, at some point they're going to have to get online and get a job, you know, and they get a job with one of these institutions and they go out and get assignments. And, you know, they want to keep their job and they want their paycheck. And so, and they've got a boss or two or three or four. And, you know, so the way they do their job is going to be dictated by how the, the, the corporation they work for does the job. And that's just the way that goes. Um, as far as the corruption part about it and, and where the corruption lies, I don't think it necessarily lies with the journalist. Now, over time, one of those journalists who becomes a company man might learn how it's done and, and, and wink, wink, he's part of the you know, you may become part of it. But even in that, just take the sensational part of it. You know, after a while, I don't know, there, there was a, I wish I could remember the name of it. There was a show I watched uh, recently. I'll, I'll try to remember the name of it uh, before we're done here. But um, uh, I watched a, a, a show where a journalist was out gathering a story. Well, actually, it wasn't a journalist. He, uh, he went and got himself a camcorder and, and caught an incident on tape, videotape, and brought it to a, a local news agency. And when he did, the, the lady said, oh, I'll buy that from you. 
And so he went and bought himself a video camera at a pawn shop and started following people around and got himself a police scanner and following stories. And um, it was a really interesting movie because, you know, you saw how the producer of that channel was telling him, no, we want to see more gore, more blood, and this and that. And eventually this guy ends up going into someone's house and videotaping the murder and got that on camera. So, uh, of course, that's a fictional movie. But my, my point is, is that, um, you know, this guy realized there was money in bringing uh, the producer of that channel whatever story she wanted. And so, you know, uh, it's kind of, it kind of works that way. You know, you feed the corporate machine. If, if uh, everybody's on the same team, but they're all working towards one end. And generally, it's not the, the journalist who's out on the beat gathering the story who's really dictating how that story is going to be fed to the public. It just doesn't work that way on the national level. Mm-hmm. Facebook Live has taken a lot of criticism over the last little bit as people go to filming their own. Are you okay with your phone there? Because it seems to be scratching up quite a bit. Yeah, sorry about that. I was just noticing. No, no worries. Facebook Live. Facebook Live recently did uh, or took a lot of heat earlier this week for a gentleman who actually recorded on live Facebook committing a murder yes now a lot of people have a lot of people have turned to youtube have turned to facebook and a lot of these groups like periscope and so have you to report what is going on in immediate time how dangerous though is that for the public to be to be playing with something along those lines when they're now making themselves part of the story rather than having a true journalist explain what is going on. Well, that's an interesting question. I don't, I mean, if you just happen to be somewhere and something is happening, I don't think you could find anything more real or honest than maybe filming it and putting it out to the public immediately unfiltered, uncensored, whatever. You're not necessarily reporting on it. You're, um, you're just showing what happened. However, the danger of that, um, I suppose, there could be different elements of danger. But one of them could be that you, you, you're sort of seeing something completely out of context, um, you know, depending on what you see and how much of it you see. You know, um, you know, if you um, if you see a police stop, and um, you know, I'm just going to hypothesize something here. But let's say you see a police stop, and the suspect gets out of the car and opens fire, opens fire on the officers for two minutes, and shooting shooting at officers, and then all of a sudden he tosses his gun aside because he runs out of ammunition. And then somebody starts to some somebody decides to start filming at that point, and they and they see the, the police running up and tackling the guy and, and being rough with him and whatever they do, you know you don't have those first you know sixty seconds before that 
that, 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 that completely changes the story. You understand what I'm saying? So um, that, that would be a good example of, uh, you know, of the public seeing something out of context. It's not really reporting. I mean, it's real, uh, but it's not reporting. So I don't, I don't know how you really prevent that, though, in today's, with today's technology. So I think it's just one of those things that we have to learn to, to self-discriminate. You know, you know what you're looking at, you know, how, you know, and, and think about it in those terms. You know, I mean, don't rush to judgment. If you know that you're looking at a, if I was looking at a a Facebook live video that sort of illustrated what I just described, um, I would probably consider those those things I just said. Whereas somebody else may just react emotionally and say, Oh my god, they beat that poor guy up not realizing that he just tried to kill two or three officers. You see what I'm saying? So I, I don't know that you can prevent it. I think you just have to, it's just one of those things that we've got to start training ourselves not to react to, but to, to learn to, uh, you know, that was part of my point earlier tonight. It was just so we need to start training ourselves to just to sort of look at information, uh, more objectively, more openly, consider other things in all angles and, and not react to things so emotionally so quickly with so much bias because a lot of times we don't know what we're looking at and a lot of times we don't know if what we're looking at is real and and there are a lot of links in that chain that can be broken uh, it, you know dishonesty misreporting uh, misinformation uh, ulterior motives um, all sorts of things can come into play when you're getting information that may affect your life in one way or another. So you got to keep all that in mind um, when you're watching or listening to news. You, know, you need to be more objective and, and, and not, not react because reacting, um, well, a lot of times reacting will, will, will close off a part of, of your objectivity. Um, and if someone means to dictate that, if someone means to manipulate you in that way, um, then they realize that, that, you know, and some of these, some of these bigger corporations, they know that they know how to slant the story to, to fulfill an agenda. You know, um, you know, the, I, I, there's been story after story after story of, uh, shooting over the past eight, ten years. And, you know, I always sort of wonder and smell a rat whenever uh, one of these unfortunate events takes place. And within five minutes, you've got six talking heads around the national news table having a gun rights debate. That's not the story. The story is, what is going on at the mall right now? How many victims are there? Who's hurt? Do I know these people? Did they get the suspect? You know what I mean? Or should everybody be 
on the lookout and the alert out for the season. You know what I mean? The story isn't a gun debate within five minutes. You don't even know what happened. And that's, that's generally when I start to smell a rat. I, I can smell an agenda. There's, a, there's like a political agenda immediately unfolds uh, during a story. And then, and, and then, and then the, story isn't no, the story is no longer even about the story. It, it's about those agendas. And, and uh, that, that's when a lot of times I can spot that I think the media is, is being used to manipulate the public to further a particular agenda one direction or another. Either way, though, it does bring in a huge problem with social media. What happened here? And if you haven't heard the story before, a gentleman named Steve Stevens, who was a job counselor for teens and young adults, shot a retiree in Cleveland collecting aluminum cans on Sunday, and he posted the video of the murder on his Facebook page. He then went on the run. He has since, I believe, committed suicide in Pennsylvania. They found him. But the fact is, you know, this is the danger of what we are starting to see on social media where everybody thinks that we got to be live 24 seven. And if that's the way it's going, it's a dangerous aspect of the use of social media. I mean, we talk about, you know, the dangerous aspects of, of alcohol or drugs or drinking and driving. Well, what about this now? Um, yeah, I agree with you. Um, but you know, there's not really much that we can do about the technology. It's there. Um, you know, and it's going to be there. And if, if Facebook stops doing it, someone else is going to pick it up. Um, and in that particular case, uh, that you're, you're talking about, it was the, uh, the murderer himself was the one that filmed that, not a bystander. I mean, he, he's the one that, that filmed that. And he meant for that for that gruesome act to be shown on the on the internet. He wanted it to be live, um, and you know, unfortunately, I just don't see any way technically or legally to at this point prevent something like that from happening. Um, I don't really think that should be our focus. On the other hand, on the other hand, I do believe that Facebook should have taken that down immediately, immediately. And I, not only that, they should have departments that, that do that. I can tell you one thing, uh, if you insult or hurt somebody's feelings of a particular demographic um, on some social media forums like Facebook, you know, if somebody uh, gets offended by something, I've had posts of mine that were taken out of context were, were removed within minutes of me posting them. Yet someone can murder someone on Facebook Live and that, that video doesn't come down for hours. As far as I'm concerned, that's a flawed system. So I, I think that, that it falls, it, it really, the responsibility really falls on Facebook and other uh, sites like that who offer those live broadcasting uh, features, it, it really comes down to them uh, policing that. Um, they should be responsible for that. 
as far as saying, well, nobody can shoot live video anymore, well, there's really no way to, <laughs> there's really no way to police that unless you just, you know, start picking it away from site after site and then another site will spring up. So, but I do think that when it comes to certain things, like if, 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 if I was in a position of authority at Facebook and I realized that was happening within minutes, that, that, that would have been taken down because that's, it's a gruesome thing. Not only that, but it can be used as evidence. And, you know, and on that note, Jamie, I'm going to get you to hold on on that. We're going to continue this talk on social media aspect right after this. Jamie Sexton is our guest tonight. He's from Rebel Planet News. His site will be launching in just a couple of months. New alternative media, 24-7. It's going to be a good time. Jamie joins us the third Thursday of every month right here on the Mighty SOR. So his next date will be on May 18th. And we'll be right back on Space Out Radio right after this break. While you're doing that, while you're waiting for us, make sure you go on over to our website, spaceoutradio.com. Check out the really cool features we have, like the Encounter Online. Read up on that. Check out Bumblefoot. And I'm going to go check out and see if Carl's hanging around somewhere. Haven't seen him. No movement. The sensor light outside hasn't turned on. Damn it, Carl. Where are you? We'll be right back. The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a Sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines, your answers are a click away. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. Hi there. I'm Butch Witkowski, lead investigator with the Four Cop. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries. So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Witkowski's Strange Days. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle. This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. 
I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. This is Eric Markham, news editor for Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top-quality paranormal stories, from alien encounters to the latest conspiracies. You won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The Encounter online, only at spacedoutradio.com. Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. You hear footsteps in the empty room above you. A rocking chair begins rocking by itself. Don't be afraid of the things that go bump in the night. Reach for Spirit Story Box, the iPhone app the Huffington Post UK called the only ghost hunting app you will ever need. Spirit Story Box, the spirits are telling their stories. Are you listening? Strange creatures lurking in the night, the sounds of wood knocking in the forest, odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy, and I would love it if you'd join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. From Mothman to Frogman and everything in between, hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, 
You can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you along for the ride tonight. Tomorrow night on the program, we finish things off talking about the Phoenix Lights. David Spinks is going to join us. He was in the Air Force in Tucson, Arizona, stationed when the call came in that there were aliens flying around. Very interesting story indeed. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. Hey, we want to welcome in our terrestrial stations. WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia. We're also live in New Orleans on 107.7 FM. The United Public Radio Network in over 160 countries around the world. We have just joined as of this week KTLK, the Fringe FM online. We're live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, Remember, the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Ulotricious Ulotricious is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, Space Travelers, as Bill sets a password each and every single night right here on Spaced Out Radio. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio if you want to chat with me live as well during the show. You can give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can tune us in on TuneIn, download this show and others from iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com. While there, we have a plethora of features for you, including checking up on our new Paranormal News Wire, The Encounter Online. We would appreciate if you check out our original stories there. You can also join the SOR Space Travelers Club for five bucks a month, and you can head on over to Patreon.com for as low as a dollar a month. You can become a patron of SORs as well. Tonight we talk with Jamie Sexton. He is the owner, producer, writer for Rebel Planet News, a new website that is going to launch in the alternative media this summer. We appreciate Jamie taking the time on because he comes on this show the third Thursday of every month. Jamie, welcome back. Good to be here, buddy. We wrapped up last hour talking about the effects of social media on the media, especially with a murder that just happened where the gentleman actually posted the murder that he videotaped on his Facebook page, on Facebook Live, as a matter of fact. And you had said something that, you know, we're in that day and age. We are in that day and age where people are going to do silly things like that. Now, it's not going to happen all the time, but still, it is happening. Now, I realize 
listening in North America and living in North America, we have a thing called freedom of speech. But is this taking social media freedom of speech a little too far? And should it be regulated? Well, uh, I don't know how you would regulate something like that. Again, it's a social media platform where people are meant to socialize, not to, uh, you know, necessarily go out and commit crimes um, for to broadcast. So that's just one of the hazards, I suppose, of of this new type of technology is that you know people may choose to do something unfortunate like that, and it, 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 um, it's horrible. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I can't imagine how many kids might have been exposed to that or family members of, of uh, Mr. Goodwin might have been exposed to that. But I just think that, you know, there's really, I don't really see a practical way in, 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 in any, anything to, to, to police that or to uh, regulate that. Like I said, I think that Facebook, should self-regulate that. Uh, I've heard stories on some social media um, formats of people committing suicide on on live, uh, you know, doing things like that, and that's unfortunate as well. Um, I think that if, if Facebook were to get a report of something like that happening, uh, they should immediately shut that that Facebook down, make it private. Because not delete it because maybe the police need something for evidence or something like that. But um, and then they can figure that out after the fact. But as far as the public is concerned, I, I think that the responsibility comes down to the owner of that particular social media to um, to, to police that sort of thing. I don't think I don't think there's a way to regulate that necessarily um you know i think it's just one of the hazards of the, the day and age that we live in this technology that we have i can understand that but it also opens up facebook to a very large lawsuit here as well oh yeah yeah it, it, it potentially could um you know i don't know particularly what angle something like that may be pursued but it Hypothetically, I could see things like that happening. And uh, so that's why I say, you know, it should really, uh, the responsibility should really fall with them. They're the ones offering that technology to the public. And um, if if, if that's going to create a hazard, then they need to be responsible for uh, cleaning that up. And I I, I find no excuse whatsoever uh, for that video remaining up on his Facebook or on YouTube or anything else. I think YouTube and Facebook need to be uh, held accountable for that material uh, having been up for that long. Um, that, that falls on them. And, and you know what's silly about that? And, and on, a, on a personal sense, I get a little pissed off when I see things like that, okay? and hear of stories like this. Because here we have an act of murder where someone is losing their life on social media. And and yet, I know 
there are times where I've been blocked in my own rooms for apparently spamming myself by inviting our guests into the chat rooms. Because apparently I tag too many people too fast. It seems oh. like it seems like they are more worried about about spamming than they are about this video or things like this happening. And you knew it was about to happen. I mean, how stupid can we be or not be? You know what I'm saying? You're not realizing that something like this wasn't about to happen. It was only a matter of time. Right. Just like those kids, you know, beating the crap out of that handicapped kid because he was white. You know, right. and, and they tortured him for like two days. You know, at some point, yep. at some point, there has to be some sort of guidelines, and you can't hide behind the Constitution of the United States or the Constitution of Canada or or whatever you want to call it. You just can't hide behind that over people acting like vigilantes. Well, I. I... I agree with you, but then we get into the hazardous territory of regulation, and I am not for that at all. I, I am not for government regulation in the least. Um, I do, uh, you said hide behind the Constitution. I, I don't hide behind it. I stand with it, and I support it 100%. I don't, I'm not for anything that gives up more freedoms. In other words, the government or any institution regulating what we do or what we see. Um, the, the incident that we just described, which was unfortunate and gruesome, I don't believe that that should have been splattered all over social media. However, uh, I don't think that requires government regulation. Um, I think that that requires uh, a uh, you know, an outfit like Facebook and YouTube, those corporations, those companies need to take the responsibility to do the right thing and not put that up. And if they choose to continue to do those sort of things, then they need to be sued. Someone needs to take them to task. In other words, them, them as an institution they need to uh, pay penalties for their actions in, in not being careful about those sorts of things. Um, but to, to say that we need a new law or a new regulation, see, then we get into the slippery slope of more and more control. And so it's sort of one of those things that's so fulfilling. And one of the things that I am very, very, big on. I'm a huge proponent of freedom of speech. And, you know, alternative media falls right into that. Because we start regulating things like that and the next thing you know, you and people like you and me are out of business. You know what I mean? We're not going to be allowed to talk about things that we want to talk about openly if we start supporting regulation. Um, I think it, it falls on us as individuals and as individuals who have these um, websites and sources of information to regulate ourselves 
and um, and that that's where I fall down with that. I don't think that uh, you know I don't think we need a new law or anything like that. Um, we have enough laws in the books already. People need to start you know using their heads and doing the right thing. You know, so, someone at the chain of command of Facebook. I'm absolutely certain with within an hour at the very least of that incident knew that was going on. And I'm absolutely certain within five minutes they could have directed someone to take that page and video down. And the same thing with YouTube. Um, so that, that, that doesn't require regulation. That, that requires people doing the right thing at the right time. I, I guess this is where the difference in countries comes around because if something like that happened and Facebook was a Canadian country, there would probably be a law going in almost immediately on that because we just, you know, at times we feel that we just can't police ourselves, you know, and I think that becomes a little bit untrustworthy in putting that lack of regulation in. But on the flip side, you know, I do understand the freedom of speech is very important for all of us. It's our say, it's our freedom to be able to do what we want and say what we want and how we feel at any time without being penalized. And I agree with you there. I totally agree with you there. But at what point is enough enough? We have a man's life that was ended on camera live. And that I that as even as a Facebook user, and I use Facebook a lot of hours every day because of this show, I really have a problem with that. I, I agree, but but you use the term uh, "when is enough enough," and that's you know that that's a very tricky mindset to get into. And I think that's one of the hazards. Of, that's uh, another one of the things I wanted to touch on tonight um, about how we are fed information and how we watch information and how we process things. Um, you know, I think a lot of things that bother people, a lot of things that affect them emotionally, they want to turn away from it. Um, they, you know, if they hear a story about, oh, um, you know, let's say some politician were to uh, be accused of, of uh, running some child pornography ring or some horrible thing like that, um, we, we would, you know, everybody would gasp and say that's a horrible thing and that's terrible. Some people, though, would say, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I, I don't believe it. And you ask them, here's the thing, and here's a tricky thing about psychology. Um, and I noticed this, and it bothers me, is that I ask people, and I use that because that's a hypothetical scenario, but I'm saying, but there are instances um, that have happened, other things, where uh, a story will, will, will be publicized and and somebody will deny it. Oh, that, that didn't happen. And I'll ask them. I'll say, well, why do you think that that didn't happen? Well, because it's just too horrible. It's like, um, I don't know what it is, but some, some people in some situations will have some sort of psychological reaction to something, and they just can't handle it. 
So because they can't process it and digest it or get through it, they uh, they do radical things, and that's and the media and, and, and governments will take advantage of that. They will stir you emotionally, and they will get people riled up, and they will they will you know when you say enough is enough, we've got to do something. Well, I don't think like that we need to do anything about that Facebook situation and what happened. I don't think that we need to do anything. I think it was an incident that shouldn't have happened. It was unfortunate. And it shouldn't happen again. We, none of us want anything like that to happen again. But I don't think that any action, um, global action, when I use the term global, I mean as a community, um, I don't think I don't think we need to impose any new regulation on Facebook or on any other site or on the internet as a whole. And so when we get into the business of reacting emotionally to things that happen like that and then overreact, we don't realize that we give away our freedom in doing so. We have to that's when we have to pause and say, That was really messed up. But a new regulation would not have prevented him from killing someone. That wouldn't have done that. It may have prevented him from broadcasting that live, certainly. But, you know, you can't regulate everything in the world. Because when you do, your boxes get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And the next thing you know, you live in a tiny little cage. And we all do. And that's not freedom. That's, there's no sense of freedom in that. You know, unfortunately, human beings do terrible things from time to time. And that's never probably going to end. And that's sad. It's unfortunate. But that's just the way it is. And, but when we use every little thing that happens that's bad in the world, and the media stirs it up and, and amplifies it and gets everyone emotionally debating over it, and the next thing you know, there's a regulation for this and a regulation for that, and a regulation for this. The next thing you know, you can't leave. Nobody's going to be able to leave their house without a computer chip in their brain to track you every minute of the day. And that nobody wants to live like that. So we, We're already like I, that, I, though, I Jamie. We're already like that, though, with a cell phone. Well, well true. We are, we, we, we are innocent that way. But I don't think people are comfortable with the idea that your cell phone can be tracked. They're not comfortable with it. Yes, it is a sad reality that we, we can be kept track of that way. You're absolutely right. But we're not comfortable with it. And giving up, and, 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 but to give into that and to say, yeah, just go ahead and do whatever you want. Take more freedom. Take this out. You know, you know let's say that Let's say that the powers that be examined that, uh, that incident that happened the other day, and they've got a study group, and they learned from it, and they go, you know, a lot of people are saying that we should impose new regulations on the Internet now because of that. This would be a great opportunity to push some more regulations on the people. And if they don't want to do it on this, maybe we manufacture an incident and then stir people up emotionally. You know what I mean? These are things that, that concern me. 
is that we can't overreact every time to something that affects us emotionally or bury our heads in the sand. Um, you know, sometimes we're going to have to realize that the world is unfortunate and people do bad things and people abuse laws and people abuse things and do the wrong thing. We have, you know, mankind is fallible and we're never going to get away from that. So we, there has to be some effort on people's thinking and the way they digest information that they calm down and not be dictated and manipulated so much. Um, and not their, their first gut reaction isn't to, oh my God, somebody's got to do something about this, you know, because that can be, that, that reaction and knowing that that is a patent reaction in people can be manipulated. If you know that you put out a story or that you create an incident and you report on it a certain way, that large portions of the public are going to react a certain way, you could then turn around and manipulate that to, to whatever end that you want. And, you know, is there some room for improvement? Certainly. I, like I suggested earlier, I think that, you know, I think that Facebook should have been, should have taken that down immediately. And YouTube should have taken it down immediately. Um, I guarantee you, if you put up a porno video on you on Facebook, it'd be taken down in 30 minutes. So why wasn't that taken down? You know what I mean? Um, that, that, that falls on them. They need to self-regulate. And we can lean on them. There are, there are civil ways to lean on people. In other words, when I say civil, I mean um, you can petition them, you can sue them, you can, uh, you can do a lot of things. But to say, oh, my God, now we've got to regulate the Internet so that doesn't happen, first of all, it might be an impossible thing to do. And second of all, I just don't think that, that that's the right course of action. Um, I think to enjoy freedom, you have to take some risk in this world. You know, you have to. For you and I to be able to do what we do, which is have alternative sources of information and entertainment and news and things we want to do with the public, to offer that, if, if we didn't have freedom of the Internet to be able to go out and, and uh, create these entities that you and I do our shows on and, our, and offer our news on and things, well, we, we'd be out of business and we wouldn't have a voice. So we don't. We got to be very careful to not, you know, um, bite your nose off to spite your face. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think that really the responsibility comes down on on in, the, in that particular case uh, that we were talking about would be Facebook and uh, and YouTube for allowing that material to stay up so long. This also opens up another chapter as well, and social media is filled with it, Jamie, is the fact that fear-mongering seems to be absolutely everywhere. We touched on this a little bit the last time you were on, but pretty much any time you deal with the media now or a conversation with the media, we have to get into the whole fear-mongering factor. Now, since the last time you were on, we now have threats once again 
probably the closest we've been since the Cold War, of a nuclear war breaking out between the United States and North Korea. Never mind the mess in Syria. Russia's pissed off. China's pissed off. The Japanese now say, hey, why don't we have nukes? I mean, there's a lot of crap going on. And you go on social media now, about one in every ten people coming through my slide, on my posts that I see in my feed, we're going to nuclear war. The planet's done. You know, everybody is in absolute panic mode these days. So at what point does the fear-mongering kick in in regards to the media and social media? Well, I don't know. That's a difficult to answer, a question to answer. Um, I mean, I suppose if, if I was out in the wilderness and I was uh, camping in a tent and all of a sudden I looked out the vent and I saw a bear, I'm not really going to, you know, play in my mind. I'm not going to play out the best case scenarios. Oh, you know what? He's probably just here for the granola bars. My mind is going to prepare for the worst. Uh, I'm going to, as we all do. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to naturally have a, an emotional reaction to that. And so how I react to that is, you know, up to me in my thinking process. But, but you know, when, when there's any threat or loom of, and, and no matter how real it may be or amplified it may be, of nuclear war, that should alarm all of us. Um, now, some people are going to react to that um, more emotional, and some people are going to react to it a little hastily. And people are going to jump to conclusions. Oh, we're, we're marching the war today, or it's going to happen next week, or it's inevitable, or, you know, and then you'll hear rumors of things that were said that weren't actually said, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I think that's just one of the hazards of, of human, and that's not me, by the way. That's not, um, that sort of behavior and reaction and thinking and spreading of information and overreacting, none of that is new just because of the internet and social media and, um, and, and all of that social media. I, I don't believe that social media changed the way people, uh, live in every context of life that we think that it did. I think in a lot of ways, it just shed a light on it. You know what I mean? I think that people kind of behave the way people always did to an extent. They may have new tools and new avenues to do things, but um, I don't necessarily think that social media in itself uh, is, is necessarily a culprit. I think it's just human behavior. Um, as far as, you know, the threat of war and the loom of war, um, and the fear-mongering that you brought up. Um, you know, you're always going to have people that will do that. Um, on the other hand, you know, I also think that the, the mainstream media doesn't tell us enough. They don't necessarily tell us things that we need to know, um, that I feel that we need to know that is going on in the world. And um, 
So it, it, there's a balance there between alternative media and mainstream media between, you know, having a polished report that may be watered down, maybe not telling you everything, and then maybe maybe there's somebody that's bringing you a little more of the information that mainstream's not, but they're delivering it in maybe an unpolished way that, that comes across their mind. And maybe it is, because that is a form of entertainment, you know. Uh, people who people who create a climate of fear like that a lot of times will gain an audience. Um, but I do believe that there there there's constantly uh, the the possibility for something erupting in the world. Um, and I think that we should all kind of keep our eye on that ball. You know what I mean? So I I again I don't overreact to things. I I, I kind of try to discipline myself to where, you know, if I, if, if that bear is outside of my tent, obviously I'm going to emotionally have an initial reaction to it. But then it's, a, it's, it's up to my thinking process to see how I'm going to react to that, how I'm going to process that. If, <clears throat> if there's um, a threat of nuclear war or talk of it or this or that on the horizon, obviously I want to be made aware of that. And obviously, to some degree, it's going to affect me emotionally. I'm going to start to ponder, well, where's this going? What does all this mean? Um, but I think the media doesn't tell us as much as they should about things that are going on in the world, the mainstream media, that is. Um, so it's a balance. You know, if somebody on the Internet is telling me more information that the mainstream media is not telling me about a situation that's going on in the world, I'm not going to judge them necessarily so harshly for their personality um, or their style or this or that. I'm not, because I'm not looking to them for entertainment value. I'm not looking to them. I'm just looking at it for me personally. Here's some information. I need to, to digest that. I need to weigh that out. You know, I, I can't police the psyche of everyone in the world, you know what I mean? Neither can you, neither can the media. You know, we, we, can't, we can't say, you know, some people may take this the wrong way, so we shouldn't tell them. To me, I don't subscribe to that, you know what I mean? I think that people should be, they should educate themselves, not, not, not only scholastically, but just, you know, organically, intellectually. It, it, police yourself. And, 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 and educate yourself on how to process information. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, maybe extract a little bit of your bias out of the process, extract a little bit of your, your initial emotional reaction out of the process. So when you hear something, you can just kind of weigh it out logically. You can say, well, how does this fit into the other stuff that I know and the other stuff that I've heard? You know, sort of, don't just rely on whoever's feeding you information, whether it be one of the major networks or whether it be some alternative news station or, or website, even like my own. When you hear information, use your own mind. Do not trust that just because somebody's telling you something that it's true. And don't trust that just because somebody's telling you something that it's all of the story. You may be just getting the, the last 60 seconds of that video I talked about earlier. You know, we really need to start being more responsible 
about how we receive and process information. But we're so trained and so reliant on gut reactions based on our own bias, whether it be political bias, religious bias, emotional, you know, by how we were raised, uh, our ethnicity, you know, we, 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 all these things become a part of our filtering system. It's the, how we receive information and how we process information. And the more you're able to lower your bias and the more that you're able to get past uh, an emotional reaction to a story, I think you're going to have a better chance of processing information fairly and, and more balanced than just saying, oh, my God, this is horrible. We need to do something or shut that off or, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Like, we, we, need, to, we need to be more responsible about it. And then, and then in turn, we need to demand that of the people who are feeding the information to us as well. Dennis brings in a good comment here in the Spreaker chat room. And basically what he's saying here is that fear-mongering is a very overused phrase, yet when real news that is concerning to people comes out, people have been trained now to dismiss it like it's nothing. I would agree with that. I think that <clears throat> I think that you can have the flip side to what I was talking about. A lot of people, like I, like I was alluding, can have a very emotional reaction to everything, and then other people can have a very apathetic reaction to everything for that very reason that your uh, that your listener suggests, um, because a lot of that has to do with trust, because they don't know whether to trust a story or not because they hear terms like fear-mongering and they hear terms like fake news and they, they hear those kind of things. So they sort of turn a blind eye to it or, the, the, it, you know, it doesn't have, it doesn't, it, it, as opposed to having too much emotional reaction to, to a story or something that should interest you, you have no interest in it because in a lot of times, I think that if a story is being manipulated, if um, there's something that, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I, one of the first stories that we're going to do on Rebel Planet is uh, about um, uh, chemtrail because um, that's a very big issue to me. And um, I think the, you know, the media, that's one of those issues that the mainstream media sort of, uh, you know, discards. And if you, if you have any interest in, in that or you have any concern in that, I think that you're made to be seen as a tinfoil hat wearer and, and, a, and a conspiracy theorist and it's to be dismissed. But I have some, some very, very, uh, legitimate concerns about the Kim Sharon program and some new information that, that we're going to tackle when we launch the site. It's going to be one of our biggest first stories. Um, so, you know, but people hear things about like Kim Trent and, but then they get online and they're like, I don't know if this is real or not. I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. And the next thing you know, it's so watered down that they're not even interested. 
you know what I mean? All alternative uh, sites report a lot of misinformation, while mainstream news media report nothing about it. So there's nowhere in between there for anybody to really gain any real interest. You know, it's it's one of those things where people become apathetic about what they hear. They can't invest in it if they want to. They can't learn more about it because uh, real information is not out there about it. And I think that probably applies to a lot of things you tackle on your show, you know, uh, subjects that, that, that may interest people that have been discarded as spooky or too far out there. And so people turn a blind eye to it. And uh, so, you know, you got to, well, again, you, you can't be, you can't be too apathetic about your world. And then you can't, you can't, you also need to discipline yourself not to overreact, not to be too emotional that you, you pick a side too harshly or whatever. You know, again, it's all about being balanced and, and, and looking at information objectively. That's, that's what I like to do. And I think we all like to do that. However, the uglier the situation becomes, Jamie, the more people start to tune out. We don't deal with things anymore. We run away. And, you know, you put a human effort yeah. on you yeah. put in a human effort on that. I mean, how many women have you been with over over your time in relationships where instead of dealing with their problems, they run away? That's what happened between me and my ex-wife. Right? We we're afraid to deal with things anymore when we can hide on social media, where we can where we can hide our feelings, hide everything, and everything is fake. There's nothing real anymore. And I think that leads to the processing and the programming of what has happened with the media. I agree. I, I think that, uh, you know, we are emotional creatures, and, and we will either overreact to something sensationally, or we will become apathetic about it. And I think that either one of those reactions is too far at, at, at either end of the uh, respective pendulum because it doesn't allow us to really be involved in reality. It, it, it becomes, you know, a lot of reality for people nowadays becomes a little too bothersome. Oh, I don't want to deal with that. You know, they don't really invest in their communities. They don't invest in their families. They don't invest in their environment. They don't invest in their country. Um, not, not in the way that they should. People are out really, we become a really hyper-socialized environment. And not to contradict myself, but maybe social media does, has amplified that to, to a certain degree. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think that we just sort of, we don't want to be bothered with stuff, either because it affects us or because it takes up our time. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, um, you know, people, if you suggest, like, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of times when I was writing on a subject uh, that seemed like the government may, may be hiding from something from us in a particular story, or the media may be hiding something from us in, in a particular story. And I noticed that whenever that's brought up, you will gain a certain audience, 
uh, that is curious about that that possibility. But then you'll also have an audience that just out of hand dismisses it. And out of those people that dismiss it, they they usually come from one of two schools. Either they just think it's too kooky and, and why? Like, it's no, that's just silly. Or they just don't want to believe that it's true. And, you know, that's unfortunate because if you just don't want if you don't want to believe that it's true because it's too horrible for you or it seems too implausible just on that alone, that, that's, to me, that leaves a lot of room for manipulation. Because if, 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 if you can assume that you, could, that you can manipulate the public in a particular way and just get away with it because it's just going to seem too kooky, you know, then you just do it, you know. They'll just do something like, like you know, uh, a full-scale chemtrail campaign across the globe for 20 years, right in front of our face, where every day we can look up and see that this is being done. But they just shrug their shoulders and go, it's not happening. You know, it's not happening. Because we, we become apathetic about it. and Or it's too horrible, or it doesn't make or, you know, we just don't want to be bothered. Most people just don't want to be bothered in their day. You're interrupting my game. You're interrupting my concert. You're interrupting dinner, you know, um, you know, or, or that just sounds too horrible. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to believe that. So I'm not going to believe it. You know, that those kind of things are, uh, I think they're, I think they're tragic. And I think that you know, if people are out, are out to manipulate the public, they're going to use those things scientifically. They're going to know what affects you emotionally. And they're going to know what they can probably get away with, you know. And when they have the purse strings to the media outlets and everything else, they can do a fine job of, of exercising manipulation, whether it's uh, to further an agenda, to start a war, or whatever it may be, you know. And those possibilities for me are very real. I, 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 I concern myself with those things um, because it's happened in history. We know that it's happened in history, and, and it can happen again. And I, I think that a lot of people think that we have the luxury of living in the time that we do, and that, oh, things like that just can't happen again. And I don't subscribe to that. I think that we need to learn lessons from history and not give up our freedoms and not, not play into the possibility of manipulation. So to me, I try, I try to stay somewhere in the middle of, of, you know, where I see a lot of people fall, like I said, either on one side of the pendulum or the, or the other, either too apathetic or they react too emotional and hop on the blue train or the red train too fast. So at what point do people have to sit back then and analyze the media a little bit more? If they have already been trained over the last 20 years that this is the way news is now. The days of Walter Cronkite or Dan Rather are over. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, that um, you know, you don't have to do anything radical to start training yourself to just be a little more discerning about information. Um, don't, 
you know, don't get your information or your news from just one source. That's, that's, uh, I think a lot of people kind of do that, you know. Oh, I gotta, uh, you know, I gotta watch my uh, program tonight. And they watch the same news channel, and they they start to absorb all those little subliminal hints of what political party they need to lean towards, this and that, and you know, um, <clears throat> and they don't make enough time in their lives to even gather enough information, you know. Uh, so I, I I think people can can do it fairly easily if they just invest a little more objectivity and a little more time in learning about the world around them and just become a little more invested in it. Start talking to each other, you know, have debate, you know, have healthy ones, not violent ones, you know, if someone disagrees with you, fine, they disagree with you. But I think open discussions are good. And that's one of the, that's one of the benefits that I find to the internet and to open forums and to uh, alternative media and discussion groups and things. Those are some of the benefits that the Internet has offered to us, that we can communicate more openly and, and on a larger scale with each other. And, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're always going to have that hazard of misinformation. That's not going to go away. That's never going to go away. You can't expect someone else to babysit what goes in your brain and how you process it. That's your job. That's, that's all of our we all have to do that job ourselves. We have to learn about our world. We have to be objective. And I would suggest, like I said a few times tonight, uh, I would suggest discipline yourself to, to lower your bias, you know, and lower your emotional reactions to things so that you have a little bit better chance of, of sort of thinking about what you're hearing and what you're processing instead of just reacting because reacting is natural, and if anybody's gonna uh, if anybody's gonna manipulate and take advantage of you, they're gonna use that. They're gonna use that tool. They're gonna go, you know, if we put out this story, people are gonna react a certain way, and all we've got to do is spend uh, all week slanting our stories a certain way, and we can move the public this way or that way. You know, and, I, and I've seen that done quite effectively. There's been, I don't know, maybe 10 stories over the past eight years that were major stories in the news where um, gun control became the forefront topic of, of whatever story it was. And the story that they, the original story that it came from just sort of dissolved and went away. Um, and it all became about that. And I saw a very, very clear agenda uh, from many, many news agencies trying to kick that political football down the road. They used some sort of incident that happened um, to further that agenda. Now, we don't have to get into that debate. That's, you know, that's what I'm just saying that what I'm saying is that there, there are opportunities. Uh, when you know that the public is going to react a certain way, that's when they will use tactics to manipulate the story to further agendas. But if we train ourselves to not react that way and not to be so susceptible to those types of tactics, you know, we'll be better for it. 
Well, let's hope that the public can wake up and starts paying attention a little bit more. Because in the end, it's the public reaction that's going to gauge. And if they can call the media out and the media starts to bend over it, which can happen, it really can happen. It may not seem like it anymore. But the public still does have a say. And if the public can get that reaction back to where they need and their dismay with what is going on with reporters... It could change the ball game almost immediately. Oh, absolutely! I, I like I said earlier. I think that whether it's uh, taking Facebook to task uh, for leaving a video of a murder up too long, or if it's taking CNN to task for for falsely reporting a story, um, you know, uh, knowingly, knowingly doing so. Um, or any other agency, for that matter, knowingly misrepresenting the truth or affecting the public in a negative way like that, they need to be taken to task. But I think it needs to be done in, in a, through, through civil means, um, you know, whether it be litigation or petitions or whatever it may take. Um, and we need to avoid, we need to avoid um, even that becoming one of those processes where we overreact and the next thing we know, we legislate ourselves, you know, so there's a lot of balance in there and a lot of responsibility that I think that we need to start taking as a public and as individuals that we've neglected for the longest time. Uh, you know, we've all become afraid to speak our mind because it's, you know, it, oh, that's not politically correct or this or that. And I, I just, I, I don't agree with that sort of thing. I think when we start finding uh, ways to, to stop talking to each other and, and we make that okay, that's when we run into trouble. I mean, think about this. How many people actually even know who their neighbors are nowadays? I mean, how many people know who they even, even in the apartment complexes, right? in a neighborhood, so many people don't even know the people that live right next door to them or across the street. They have no idea. They don't know how many people live in the house. They don't know the family. They don't know their name. They don't know their phone number. And these are people that live right next door to you or across the street. That's not really the way the world used to work. We've become so disjointed and we've become trained to feel and think that way. So, you know, uh, it's, it's easier to, what's, what's that old phrase, what was it, uh, uh, divide and conquer, right? So if the powers that be know that it's easier to conquer the public, you know, whether it be through manipulation or whatever it is they want to do, um, they're going to do so more easily if we're divided. If our communities are strong, our families are strong, our homes are strong, our nation is strong, and we talk to each other, and we're not afraid to talk to each other, and we're not afraid to disagree, and we're not afraid to, to find solutions amongst ourselves and not always look to the government to regulate and solve everything. If we go back to being a people that work as a people, instead of just individuals that hide in our own little cocoon, um, we'll be stronger because of that. You know, 
this disjointed way of living, um, the only socialization, or the strongest socialization I see nowadays is in chat rooms or on social media. That's not socialization. If you've got 4,000 friends on your Facebook but you don't know who your neighbor is, there's something wrong with the world. You know, that's, that's just the way I see it. Jamie, we only have about two and a half minutes left with you. This show has flown on by as per usual. Is there a solution that you have been able to come up with on how to improve the state of media in the United States? Um, you know, that, that would be difficult because it is so corporate and so giant. It's, it's sort of a juggernaut at this point. Um, I think that the the best way we can go about that right now, at, at least for now, just to do things like you and I are doing and, and other people. Uh, I got a friend that just launched a website called Social Media Freedom. And it's a, it's a new, uh, uh, it's socialmediafreedom.com. And it's a new social uh, networking website. And um, it's uncensored. People can say what they want to say, you know. I just think the more alternative media, while we still have the freedom to do so um, uh, and, and create these avenues where we can talk about things openly without censorship, is our best bet. Because the stronger we become in the alternative, the, the, the mainstream is going to have to follow suit. Because if they start losing their audience and they start losing their numbers, uh, because of the strength of alternative media, then then that that will make a difference. Um, but having said that, I think that alternative media is going to have to do a, a good job of policing themselves as well. Otherwise, you're you're, you're going to constantly continue to be marginalized. So you know we've got to, we've got to do uh, our job in in being responsible. On our end, and that would include Facebook. You know, Facebook needs to consider not leaving videos up like they did, and YouTube as well. Um, Jamie, I don't think we need regulations for that. But, Jamie, we only got about about sixty seconds, and I want to get in a quick question. And this comes from Ron. He's asking Jamie, how do you feel about the media that we do here on Space Out Radio? Then. Well, I think uh, Space Out Radio is fun. I enjoy it. Uh, you guys cover a lot of topics on, on uh, Space Out Radio. <laughs> and uh, a lot of topics I have absolutely no experience with, uh, paranormal stuff, um, you know, things like that. So for me, I enjoy it. I think it's, uh, for me, it's entertainment. And I've always had a curious mind about uh, things like that, you know. I think we all do with some of the to some extent. Um, so I, I think it's great. It's a, it, it, listen, I don't care if somebody wants to talk about aliens or politics or how to bake the best cookies. Um, I think there's a place for everybody out there to communicate and socialize and spread information and do what they need to do. Um, so I'm all for it. And, you know, I'm glad that you, you've done what you've done with Space Out Radio. And okay. I, I, I have a lot of fun listening. Thank you, brother. And I promise Tiffany that the Unicorn Show is coming. 
The unicorns are coming, man. <laughs> hey, Jamie, I'm going to get you to hold Perfect. on. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Jamie's website, rebelplanetnews.com. The official launch is still a couple of months away, but it's going to be absolutely great. Tomorrow night on the program, we talk the Phoenix Lights with David Spinks. He's never told this story publicly. We got the breaking story of his event being in the U.S. Air Force when the lights appeared over the Arizona desert on March 13th, 1997. Make sure you check out our website, spacedoutradio.com, for all your information regarding the mighty SOR. Follow us all over social media. And, of course, do us a favor. Tell a friend. Space Out Radio. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, take us home.